0: will never forget the text Eddie sent me that night because I obviously go, I, I called you first because we were you know three weeks away from therapy at that point so I figured that was probably a good idea Yeah. and then I texted Ed and he goes I hate you I'm proud <laughs> of you I'm glad you're doing this
1: but I hate you <laughs> brings him off the corner we go green flag racing Jelly gonna pull the slide job on him up a turn number four the slide job on race pro radio brought to you by DMC racing products race to win Hello, and welcome to The Slide Job here on Race Pro Radio. I am Bobby Chalmers, and in this week's episode, you guys are in for a real treat. You're going to get to know someone who's like a brother to me, someone whose voice is very distinctive and just loves to have a good time. Many of you know him as Wireless Mike, but how many of you know his family's background in racing and what got him interested in the sport? Now you're going to have the chance to do so as we talk with one of the voices from Albany, Saratoga and Airborne Speedway, Mike Warren. But before we do that, we have to give a shout-out to Powderworth, the commercial and industrial powder coating company based in Marathon, New York. Powderworth achieves outstanding finishes designed to outlast the products they're on. No matter what you need coated, the folks at Powderworth strive to meet and beat the standards set by industry leaders. Give them a call today at 607-760-8405 and check out the powder work difference. Now let's not waste any time. Here's Mike Warren. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Mike. Had to do it. Mike, thanks for taking the time to do this with me. Um, I've known you for many years, and you're like a brother to me, but I I, I really don't know much about your background. I mean, How did you get involved in, in racing? Well, racing has been
0: a family sport right from the beginning. And I'm sure as many people around Lebanon Valley and Albany Saratoga already know this, but Apple's John Albany's who's worked on plenty of cars throughout the, my lifetime. He's my uncle, so you know that that's obviously part of it, but it really started my grandfather, used to be a crew member and the truck driver for Tommy Correllis back in the day when he was in the 57 machine and other cars before that. My mom was always around the team as well, same with my other uncle. So it really, from day one, it's you know, I got tossed right into the middle of things in the early '90s when I was born, and at least I've been told my first race was a Labor Day race at Syracuse that I attended. So, right from <laughs> the beginning, that was me.
1: So it kind of sounds like no matter what, between your uncle and your and your mother and everybody, I mean, it sounds like family has been a really big part of your of, of the reason why you love the sport so much. Oh, one hundred percent.
0: My mom my mom tried to keep me away
1: from it a little bit in my teenage years, but that didn't
0: exactly work, you know. It just like I'm sure all of us we fell in love with it too much and it just became at one point a way of life and you know, that's that's where we are here. You know, I look at this twenty eight years later I'm, I don't know what I would do without a summer racing, and unfortunately right now it's looking like
1: we're going in that direction as much as I don't want to believe it. It's kinda of scary right now, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is. Now for people that probably don't know. Um, you've you've been one of the voices at Lebanon Valley and, and Albany Saratoga and recently Airborne and and even really more recently you've handled a lot of the you know, a good portion of the victory lane uh, duties at, at Super Air Week at Oswego. You know that's in addition to to being a non-camera person and the host of the old Race for Weekly Show we used to have. Um, how did you ever get started in in, in becoming an announcer? Well, wow. this was.
0: One of the odder stories, that how, how I got this, I, I, I don't know if everybody remembers back in 2010, unfortunately, Dan Martin was in a motorcycle accident and couldn't, you know, announce for a little while, so at Lebanon Valley, the Saturday afterward, it was Jay Terry that came up to me, and at the time, I was interning at 104.5 ESPN Radio with Brian Sinkoff. He knew I was doing it, and he said, you want to give it a shot, so that night, I was brought right into it, and i, I got to tell you, the, I remember the attire I had on. And this would not apply on any other night ever. Mark Flatt Jr. shirt and jeans probably will never work ever again on a <laughs> night. But that was the case that night, and you know I, I met John Stanley and I got put right into it, and, and the story was from there. And boy, I'm gonna come out and tell you, i listened to tapes from that opening night, ten years, or That wasn't opening night, but that first night ten years ago. Boy, did I suck. I'm not. Even gonna, <laughs> I'm not even gonna you know try to sugarcoat that. I was gone at the start, I was a carbon copy of John Stanley, which, you know, you think about it, you, you grow up listening to him, you get pick up those things right away. Exactly.
1: When Dan came back, you you kind of went into another role, especially 11 and Valley. Um, now, how did you do that, and how did you end up becoming a co-announcer up at Albany Saratoga?
0: Well, with the when Dan came back, which was about in the middle of the season, it was actually positioned... Further back, I know you remember that Bob Ganing was just filling in, doing all the pit road reporting and all that, and it's something they hadn't had in a while. So I just slid down to that spot, you know, like we're doing a few victory lanes here and there. And with the exception of having to run back and forth between, you know, turn one and turn four, which is that the front stretch is pretty long at Lebanon Valley, for those of you that don't know that. <laughs> um, it, it, it was easy. It was a good chance for me to interact with the drivers, but it was something we really didn't have at that point at Lebanon. And I really
1: think it brought
0: an extra you know, flair to it on any given night because, you know, one thing we started doing too, we started interviewing second and third place, you know, so for an example, and I'm just using this one because it, had, it seemed to happen a lot. You know, say Hearn was in victory lane. You get the thoughts of maybe in Eddie Marshall who finished in second, if Kenny Tremont were to finish third per se, could be a little bit different. You know, Hey, maybe I had five more laps or something like that, to that effect, which really gives the fans a little bit more insight of what they were thinking during the race. Right. Now, as far as Maltus is concerned, uh, you know, it was around 2011, 2012. My years are off. Uh, memory's not the greatest when it comes to that. It is when it comes to other stuff. But, <laughs> the uh, you know, that's about when, you know, everything got taken over by the Lebanon Valley management team While became the promoter of Albany Saratoga, And, you know, obviously it was Art Dan, and Dan's role of being the announcer there, and I got brought in as the second guy. And it's just it's taken off from there at that point as well. And, you know, Malta... Friday night, it's fun. I'm <laughs> so glad while trusting me enough to take that spot and you know, I, I ran with it from then on. We've been doing more stuff, you know, with Mia as well. You know, pre race stuff. We're starting a YouTube channel this year once we get going, you know, with some post race recaps in there as well and it's just it's taken off and it's gotten better each and every year.
1: Yeah, I think anybody that has ever been a part of the, the Alba Saratoga Facebook page, they've seen you and me doing the uh, the live stuff early in the early in the evenings. You guys are two characters, especially when you do that stuff.
0: Oh yeah, the, you, the biggest thing is you got to have fun with it. I know, I'm sure you remember because you you literally sent me the three letters WTF after you saw it when I did the promo before the final night of racing last year, wrestling style. But I've all i always oh, yeah. wanted to do that. When we found out we were given the championship belts, there was no way I could go away.
1: <laughs> what does it mean for for you? Or even just an announcer in general to interact with the drivers, not just you know in victory lane or, or doing a small interview. For building relationships. What does it mean for 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 you to, to interact with the drivers?
0: Uh, apart from really getting to know their personalities and you know what they're thinking when they're going in on the race car. You know, first off, you'll know you you'll learn you'll meet some of the coolest people when it comes to racing and that's no matter, like, for me right now, no matter which family and whether it's the Malta one or the Airborne one, that, you know, you realize he's got a lot of these guys are just people that like to get behind the race car, and that's one of the coolest things about it. But, you know, when it comes to Victory Lane, too, I know who I can go out and have some fun with a little bit and who I can't and all that, and you really, you really pick up on it. And I think it makes the show a lot better, and you know, it brings the personalities out in Victory Lane, and it's something that the fans really eat up, you know, and you can have a little more fun out there when it gets to victory lane and right. you know, you know what to ask them a little bit more, you know, for, for example, and this, this is the one I'll use. You remember back in 1999 when Kenny Fremont went on a pair winning just about everything at Lebanon Valley, yeah. you know, I, I, John Stanley has told me, you know, you got to the point in August, well, what do I ask to, <laughs> you know, and these are some of the things that, you know, by talking to some of these guys before the races, after the races, you know, you can pick up on a few more things where, Hey, this guy's doing well. Well, hey, maybe, you know, there's a birthday coming up, you mentioned, within their family or something like that. That just, you know, it brings a little bit more to it.
1: The the One of the coolest things um, from your time when you used to be at the Valley, you know, John Stanley and Dan Martin used to let you call the modified heat races. Most of the time, most people would be up in the, the announcer's booth being able to have the lineups right in front of them, looking at the timing and scoring, seeing how fast things are going. You didn't do that. Talk to me about how you got to the idea of calling the the heat races, basically from the top of the grandstands.
0: Well, the interesting thing about that was, now I went from a fan to an announcer in six days. Of course, you know, because yeah. the week before that I was sitting in the stands and the top. I used to sit on a black section about dead across from where Brett Haas his pit is, if if just for a visual, which mm-hmm. is really the best spot to see when you're up on the top. Because you're only really getting a small spot of turn two being blocked by the by the daddy's trailer at okay. that point so you can see everything going on around the racetrack so obviously at the beginning and john threw me into the fire and having to modify dates the first time i announced it. but once we got down i got down to pit road i uh you know I, I thought that was the best place and i thought it was something different you know the heat from the seats is what we called it and you know not so much for fan interaction but it was kind of, it's kind of the old school way of doing things you know you don't have timing and scoring you know, you, you're, you're kind of looking around, you're seeing, because obviously is a big tractor, okay, you can't see if there's a car stopped in turn two, where's the caution act going? But it, it kind of gave an old-school feel to it, and I, I love hearing the fans' reaction. You know, when you announce Kenny Tremont, you know who, you know what fans are going to be there, what fans are going to be booing them, Same vice versa for Brett Hearn. And it's right. cool to play into that factor a little
1: bit. Okay. Did the fans really get into having you up there doing that stuff? Some of them did. They were some of them you could you could see like
0: oh my god that's the announcer up there doing doing what is what is he doing out of the tower you know the first few nights. Eventually everybody got used to it because, you know I had to go to the same spot almost every week for that reason. When I tried going to a different spot, but like enough of the track was blocked a little bit. There were I had to make sure obviously visually I could make it work, but it just was a different element to it. But it was also easier you know because. Usually, right after that heat race, we had the the last crew stock race of the night, so we have to do that victory lane. So it just made it a seamless transition.
1: A couple of years ago, you 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 graduated from college. You were up in the, the Plattsburgh area, and you made a lot of connections up that way. Since you've been out of school, you've gotten a full time job. You know, talk to me about your outside your life outside of racing, and you know in most people don't realize your full-time career is actually in television, so you're still in the media. Talk to me about that, and then talk to me about like how that even got you in the you know in the door at all, at, at Airborne. Well,
0: so what I do outside, like you mentioned with television, I'm currently a morning show producer in the Burlington, Vermont, Hartford, New York market. Actually, it spans through three states, There's some of New Hampshire too. That's involved in that. So I produce the morning show five days a week. Sure, it feels like a lot more these days because we're, we're putting in some long hours with just the way this is going. Right. And, you know, first off, let me say I'm grateful to have a job through all this, and it, it, but it definitely has not been easy, no question about it with everything that's going on. Right. But that's, you know, so I stay with it every day. and I don't touch sports usually, which <laughs> is maybe crazy to believe. But so I use racing as more getaway now, but. You know, during the week, it, it's a lot of hard work trying to put the show together. It's, it's definitely not easy. But you're right. For, we had just moved to Burlington last summer. But before that, I was living in Plattsburgh for two years. Went to college in Plattsburgh too, and you know, was broadcasting some hockey games. And there, my top connection at that point that was brought into was Robbie Knowles, and that's where things kind of got started. Because I didn't realize, you know, when I met Robbie, it was all about, all about hockey. I didn't realize at that time that his you know uncle was the announcer at airborne right down the road either, because, you know, with everything going on on Friday and Saturday nights I never really got to go off that north, off north, except for Darren Quinn.
1: I didn't even realize that that's how you got connected with Robbie. I thought you actually got in touch with the people at the track, and that's how you became friends with
0: him. No, no, it was all hockey. He was, um, he was actually, his uncle was doing radio stuff for the station that I, you know, do some games for now. And then he was actually the video guy for the Plattsburgh hockey team. I was doing the play-by-play for the television station at the time, so he was right next to me the entire time. And you know, I found out I liked racing because I ended up seeing him at Mr. Dirt USA one of these nights. And you know, from there on, obviously more conversations came together here and there. He'd always come down and say hello when he was at Malta and stuff like that. But I actually the one time I went to Airborne before I started working there, which was 2000, I want to say 2012. I'm holding it. Like was I didn't even know who he was at that
1: point yet. One of the things that you've done recently um, is you've left your race pro family high and dry in that special week in October up in Oswego. You're never no, going to let me live that down. No, we're not going to let you live that down. We'll we'll, 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 we'll talk about that later at some other point. The reason that you left us all high and dry and in really, really short order is because... You got a a great opportunity, and we're very proud of you for it, but you got a great opportunity to work with with World Racing Group to be one of the announcers during Dirt Week. Talk about even how that came about and now what your your role is, especially um, if we do end up going up there this year, um, you're probably going to be a part of it again this year, right?
0: Um. Well, that's, that's the plan. I haven't heard anything different, but obviously every year things can change, so I'm hoping I get to come back and do it again because it's a lot of fun, but the way the way that all got started it, in the middle of September it was a random phone call from Shane Andrews that I didn't see coming at all and all of a sudden he's like, hey, Rick Esselman can't make it this year. He's got another event going on and I think he'd be good to fill this role, but you want to do it and, you know, you, you get your shot to work at super dirtly. They're not saying no, no question about it, you know, because it's it is, with the exception of the
1: World Finals, it it is our biggest stage in our sport, at least in the Northeast part. Now, last year, Rick came back and got into it, but I mean, but you guys work together. I mean, how cool is it to be, to realize that you're one of the voices that people across the country, especially on like Der vision and Flow Racing, are now hearing you, not just the people that are that are part are at Super Dirt Week. It's an amazing
0: feeling, and. You know, I, I I admit I try to turn it, things up to eleven a little bit, but I I'm anxious the entire week. Like I'm, you know, nervous just because it's it's the biggest stage, and I, I realize, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just talking into a microphone. But except for Victor Lane, when I, you know the cameras are 100 percent on me, and I, I you know I gotta really <laughs> make sure I don't do anything stupid, which you know with me sometimes that can be a little crazy. So uh-huh. uh, yep. you know, it, it, it's it's to be a part of that group. It's a humbling experience. Cause I I will be the first one to tell you, you know, everybody compare, you know, everybody makes comparisons to everybody. There there's sometimes I'm like, he's like, oh, you're just as good as Shane and all this. and I'm like, I don't think you realize I don't belong in that group. Like I'm just trying my best out here and trying to have fun. That's really what it comes down to because we all are just race fans with a microphone in our hand. There's no question about it. But I just try to go out there and do the best I can. And you know, on that stage, it's a lot more fun.
1: Now. We're in a really pressing time in our sport. You know, I think mean, it's one that, that I don't think many people have ever really seen. And I don't think we'll we'll ever see again. I mean, there's really nothing that we can, you know, this is totally unprecedented. How weird is it for you? I know what it's like for me. But how weird is it for you knowing we should be at our local racetracks, especially even this weekend? I mean, a lot of practices would have been starting this weekend. How weird is it to realize that we're all still sitting home? Most of us are, are, are you know, locked in our houses afraid to even go outside yeah it hasn't
0: exactly hit me yet and i think part of that's because i haven't traditionally gone to practice on the, on the week beforehand and that's only because you know for those that don't know I'm, i got a two and a half hour commute one way to malta each and every friday so you know try to lessen that as much as you can a little bit and right. you know last year i was moving so i didn't make it but next week when opening night was scheduled it's definitely going to hit being like oh I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm locked up in my, you know, apartment right now, not being able to do anything, and it, 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 I'm just not going to beat around the bush here. It sucks. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. It's, you know, I talk about how it's a big part of our lives. You know, you you as well, and you know, just you know, doing something we've done for so many years. It's like, oh, we can't do this right now. It's just it's a weird feeling, and you know, the only thing probably keeping me saying right now is the fact that I, I do have to travel outside of my home four days a week for for work and it's you know making it maybe go a little bit quicker than you know for other people which I, I can't imagine everybody being at home all week what that's like and I don't think I want to at the same time but it, it's just a weird feeling and I'm praying that we start to see a downturn in this so we can get moving so.
1: and how have you been feeling I mean there's no issues I mean but how are you how is most of your family everything everybody okay up there
0: I mean, I talk to them pretty much every week. Everybody seems to be doing just fine, and it's been going well. I mean, you know, it's it's just hard. Like, the thing, again, that makes it a little easier a lot of, you know, my interactions with my family, with the exception of the racetrack where I see my uncle, is, is by the phone anyway because I'm far enough away where I can't just get in the car and be there in, you know, 10 minutes. Right. You know, type of thing. But So a lot of it's phone calls anyway. But the other thing I do is, you know, I usually, when. I go to Albany Saratoga on Friday. I stay at my grandparents' on Friday night. So I'm going to miss that, especially being able to see him and my grandmother
1: every weekend and then drive up to Airborne the next day. That's going to be that's going to be a tough thing as well. Okay, now that you know a little more about him, you didn't think we were going to let Mike off the hook without discussing some of the hot topics in racing these days, did you? <laughs> One of the things you and I do a lot of times is we'll get on the phone and we'll just kind of shoot the bull for the longest time about different topics and, and, and things like that. Um, one of the biggest stories this past year was the battle between Matt Shepard and Matt Williamson on the Super Dirt Car Series. I mean, Shepard, even, you know, he won everything that was unstoppable in a modified. I mean, even the even the short track super series, he won both the North and the South region. Um, but Matt Williamson was able to to, to put an end to the, the four year stranglehold that Shepard had on the on the series on the Super Dirt Car series. Do you think uh, Super Matt can can bounce back, or do you see Williamson, the guy who basically won every big money race that was available last year, do you see him picking up right where he left off? I
0: think it's going to be a combination of both. To be perfectly honest with you, because if you really look back at it, like you said, Matt still won everything. Like Shepard, I'm talking about won everything <laughs> under the Sun last year, and but you got to remember, it was a little bit of bad luck at us. We go and Williamson taking advantage and picking up the win that really is what cut that deficit enough to where Williamson was in striking distance for the last three races. Year. So if that bad luck doesn't happen, we could be talking about five in a row for Shepard, and you know the this, this story with Williamson when the title doesn't happen now. I, same time i think last year was obviously a coming out party for matt williamson you know we had we had seen what he's done up in Merrittville plenty of times on our show back on our our weekly show back in the day he was somebody in that six car we always kept an eye on i think i mentioned his name a lot of times Mm -hmm. but now you see him start he starts winning races in places you don't expect you know he gets the win in mohawk he gets the win at burton which was probably the the biggest win he went back to back that weekend, yeah. you know, and that really started putting him in the right in the right direction. And he started good finishes. He had a great finish in the multi massive weekend championship event on Saturday night that Darrell ended up winning. You know those good runs. He was consistent all year, really toward the end. And of course, Middletown catapulted him in that right direction as he picked up a lot of big money wins. But there was one it was the you know consistency in that 88 team, and it's been a good matchup with that plus shoe team and Matt Williamson that have really put this together. And, you know, I think that team is going to keep going forward, no question about it.
1: Do you see him kind of, like I said, picking up right where he left off? He won two of the big races down at the Dirt Car National this past February. Can he use the momentum from last year and the early season momentum to, to catapult him into just picking up right where he left off? I think he can. Because
0: like we like I mentioned before, I've seen Matt get better every year. Every year he's just he's taken off, and I think this team that they put together is going to be big. But you know when and if we get this thing started here with the Super Dirt Car Series in 2020, I want to see what tracks will start things off a little bit just based on the scheduling because that can make a huge difference as well. You know Matt Shepard has not been one that good luck has come in Malta. So say for example, I'm just putting this out there as a what if. So I'm hoping this starts way before this. Say the big show is the first race of the season for the series, which okay. you know, could happen. You know, who knows who's going to start off with a big night? That night. It really, there's so many races on the schedule that it's tough to tough to say that. At the same time, that that luck bug can also hit you in the wrong spot. You know, and that, and that's really what happened to Shepherd at the end of the year, like I mentioned before. But if Williamson gets off and reels, you know, two or three off right away, which is possible, we could be looking into another year.
1: Take those two out of the equation. You know, obviously, is say the are the, the two favorites. Who do you see as the biggest challenger for them? You know, is, is there somebody? Is it a Billy Decker? Is, is is a Mike Mahaney going to come up and try and take over? It, it, who do you think could be the one, you know, Eric Rudolph, that that challenges the most for – or the biggest challenges for, for Matt Williamson and, and Matt Shepard? I'm going to say two
0: guys out of the four that you mentioned are definitely going to be right there. Eric Rudolph has been right there for the last couple of years. He quietly does it. And, you know, all of a sudden you'll look up and you go, Rudolph's in the top five, where where did he come from? Type of thing. But the guy I think that pulled off a lot of momentum with that last win and down in Charlotte last year, I think this is going to be Jimmy Phelps coming out party again on the floor and I think he's going to be a factor all year.
1: He's got a good and, connection now with that with going to the Becknell chassis. He he was really good at the end of last year.
0: He was, and he, he's a guy, you know, he, he gets rolling. You know, maybe the results haven't been there the past few years for Jimmy, but we still all know Jimmy can get it done, and there's no question about it. I, I remember, you know, back in the day in Brewerton, wasn't that long ago, that he was a factor to win every single night, and you knew he was going to be there at the end of the race. And I think that's going to be the case throughout the tour, throughout everywhere this year. He put some really good runs together, and I think, you know,
1: does put this together, he's going to be right there at the end of the season. It's funny that you mentioned Bruden. You and I have had a very heated discussion on plenty of occasions. You have always said that Malta is the better Friday night product. I have always said that Bruden puts on a better show. Nothing against either one of them. I don't believe you have anything against Bruden. I have nothing against Malta. What makes Malta so special for you?
0: I grew up there. As much as I did Lebanon Valley, my grandfather brought me on Friday nights at Walter every single Friday back in the CBRA days. And, you know, I I fell in love with that place just as much as I did Lebanon Valley. Lebanon Valley's home at the end of the day, no question about it. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more later. But Walter is one of those tracks. It's business every Friday night when you go out there. I think far none and, again, nothing against Brewers. And, you know, I, I love the program that John and Corey put out there each and every Friday night. But Malta Bar none I think has the best field, I think it has the toughest field. You know, you got guys that have to work for each and every win on Friday night. not just that class, in the sportsman. I think we have we may have the best sportsman class, at least in the northeast. I can make an argument for that as well. But it's just you know you're in for great racing every single Friday night, no question about it, and you don't know what's gonna happen. Like especially last year. How many different winners were there at the end of the year? And I want to remind you that the modified champion led for twenty five feet last year for the entire season. Believe me, he has given me crap about mentioning
1: that numerous (laughs) times. (laughs) Well, I mean, like you said, now here's the connection. I mean, you have your family is working on the champion, Mark Johnson's car, for Friday night. I mean, it's just, I I understand the whole premise of, of, of a good racing product. I mean, everybody, I have people that ask me all the time, who's your favorite driver? I don't have one. Put on a good show. I don't care if these guys are going... 19 seconds around a racetrack or if they're going 25 seconds around a racetrack. If they put on a good show and it's back and forth, back and forth, and they come down the line and they, they, they have a close finish, it, it, it's a great race for me. What is it about racing in general that, that that makes you keep coming back, makes you want to keep coming back?
0: It's just a rush. For me, it's obviously a little different than just... because I can count on my hand, how many times i sat in the stand in the, as a fan in the last 10 years. It's really not that many. because Just because of the way it all shakes out, obviously doing two nights a week, you don't get really a chance to travel. You're, you're going to the same two racetracks every week. So I don't, I don't see it as much from a fan standpoint as I used to, but it's, it's the rush of that feature just getting ready to start. You know, Driver introductions is one of my favorite things, and if you were at Oswego last year, you knew how much I handed up. I was also given that direction, but you tell me to turn it <laughs> up to 11, I'm going to do that on any given night right but you know even when me i get excited when the cars come out for warm-ups being able because you know for those that don't go to malta i end up you know doing i threw out the driver reductions during warm-ups and i just have so much fun you know reeling through the hometown trying to get everybody into it and say hey Warden Allen, this is the start of the
1: night i just get that rush i can't really explain it it's just one of those things now you did bring up the fact that your home is lebanon valley lebanon valley is owned by my howard commander over the winter there was a pretty big story the fact that Airborne was not going to open and then Howard and and Lyle DeVore took over control of the racetrack and they're bringing it back this year talk to me about what that means you know for the track itself and for the Plattsburgh area in general i mean what is, what is something like that you know i mean would that have left a big big hole in the in in the in the community itself absolutely you know, one thing with,
0: you know, the guys that run Albany, Saratoga, and other tracks around the capital region, you, you know, one of them, they're usually running one or two tracks. There's a lot of these guys at Airborne that are running one night a week. Now, you may see some of them go up the Mohawk. Or you may see some of them travel down to Double Bowl on Sundays as well. But it, it's really few and far between. This is really a niche group of drivers. You know, and when I say it's two different, two completely different regions, the amount of carryover between Friday nights and Saturday, it's two almost completely different rosters. When you look at it, Derek last year, I believe, Derek McGrew Jr., Jack Spichock, Mike Mahaney, were really in, I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, Matt DePue was there for a time. Um, Jack Laner started the year with us as well up north. But there really wasn't much carryover between the two tracks. So when I say this is going to leave a hole, would have left a hole for Plattsburgh, I mean it, and especially in what we're calling the renegade division this year, a lot of those guys are from right around the area. And, would have been huge. You of course, they're racing on. They're racing two nights a week as well because John Lazore of course, opened up for the going to be called the super up there on Friday nights where they're going to be running both racetracks. But the amount of sportsmen and street um, renegade guys, and even the four soldier guys as well, are strictly stock class. They're all from right in the area. You know, you look. There's not many guys that really travel to come airborne, and so it really shows how regional it would have been. And it would have been a, had a lot of guys just not being able to do anything.
1: What does it mean to you, knowing now you have a, a true connection, not only from your old Saturday night home, but now your Friday night home and your new Saturday night home with with Lyle and, and Howard, you know, being in charge.
0: Really, not I don't really feel too much of a change, you know. It's it, you know Saturday night. I know exactly what is, is coming. I mean, I'm not that I didn't know exactly in the past. You know, the past two years is, but. Also, you know, no matter what, it's easier to work for the same person two nights in a row than it is than it is trying to get bounce back and forth. No question about it. But my my expectations don't change going into a racetrack, no matter what. You know, I, I know what I'm what I'm there to do and what my job is going to be. And it's just, you know, I think the one thing that's going to be the exact style of how we do things at one place is going to be posted the same at the second place. And I think that's going to make things a little bit, you know, easier. Just, you know. You know how it is. There's going to be less interesting for me than I think it will with
1: a lot of the other players. What do you think is going to happen now, the fact that up at Plattsburgh, the headline class is going to be the sportsman? The fact that there's no 358s, because with no with the uncertainty, a lot of people ended up going different places, so there was no 358 class. Do you think this is going to be beneficial for for the track? Do you think that down the road they may want to bring back the 358s? I mean, is, is this going to be good for, for, for Plattsburgh? I
0: think it will be, 100%. And, you know, our sportsman class is a very good sportsman class right there. I mean, last year, 24, 25 guys consistently. You you could go back. You had about 13 guys that could win on any given night, and even in which made it, you know, really fun watching them come through now. Adam Pearson and Connor Cleveland, were definitely the class of the field last year, no question about it. But, you know, those guys put on a show. And because of how local everything really is, you know, you've got a lot of fans that you watch and walk, walk around. You see a lot of sportsmen t-shirts on fans and stuff like that. A lot of people know sportsman guys a lot. So having those guys be the headline, there's no question about it. I think definitely in the road down the road are, are definitely something in the cards for the future. You know, obviously, I can't speak for that. It's not something that, you know, remember, I'm just an announcer at the end of the day. But I would love to see a 3 come back. But, you know, right now, I've got to worry about taking it one year at a time. And I think the sportsman as a headline class is definitely going to do the right call. And it's going to work out well this year.
1: I want you to pick up your crystal ball. And I want to see, you know, what do you think are going to be some of the big stories? Once we get the season hopefully going, what do you think? some of the big headline stories of, of 2020 are going to be?
0: Well, I'm going to start off at Lebanon Valley. And if
1: I'm wrong on this, please correct me. This will be the
0: first year in a long time somebody not named Herner Tremont wins the Modified Championship at the Valley.
1: Where are you going with this?
0: I'm putting my cards behind a certain rocket from Ravina. I just got a feeling it's Keith Black here at Lebanon.
1: He's been he's been consistent. He's been really consistent. What what kind of makes you think that that, that it, this is the time that Keith's finally going to put it all together?
0: I think you know he has really good equipment. Team's been together for a while, and Keith knows how to get it done. He was close two years ago. Uh, you know it wasn't like you know he and he has been. He's gotten multiple top five and point finishes. I just got a feeling you know he puts together a consistent year. He's going to be right there. And I would love to see it, no question about it. And that's one of those things, you know, not so much as a race fan, but I've gotten to know Keith for, you know, a number of years, obviously doing this announcement thing, and I think he's got a great shot. Now, I'm not taking away from anything. Of course, Draymond can be right back there as well, no question about it. I wouldn't count out Batman under any circumstance. If gets it together, he can be right there as well. There's, a lot, there's still a lot of guys in the field that can get it done. You know, I don't want to discount anybody. But, you know, one thing I would like to see, and I'll say this also, Boy, before he retires, wouldn't you love to see Eddie Marshall win the title
1: eleven? He's, he's been way too close way too many times.
0: That that would be you know, I think the story of the season no matter what happens anywhere else if he were to get that done.
1: Do you think I mean who do you think if you were to again from from thirty thousand feet, if you were looking at this right now, do you think there's a, a first time winner in the modified class eleven? I think there is. What could it be?
0: Now I gotta put me on the sponsor. You gotta <laughs> think about it a little bit more. Okay. I, gotta think of, I said that, but I didn't think of the rock. I didn't think
1: complete roster. It's been 11 and maybe twice in the last three years. You know that. Yeah, but you see the results and stuff. All right. All right. We'll come back to that. What else do you see in the crystal ball? What do you? I mean, on the dirt circuit, on, on anything. What do you see? You know, it, it's
0: a tough question because a lot of a lot of things. You know, you, you expect people to break out, but they really, but they don't. It, it, it's tough because now we're going to have a year that's going to be pushed back. No question about it. It's going to be a short. season. So getting ahead of things is going to be huge when it comes out. But I think if there's, you know, any driver across the Northeast where I really think it's going to claim, and this goes back to the, you know, question about the Super Gear Car Series, Eric Rudolph gets on a tear to start the year. I think this could be a year. No question about it. Okay. So again, he, he's shown he can be right there, and I think that's going to be. One of the biggest things to keep an eye
1: on. The, the way I usually close most of of these podcasts has been doing the whole word association thing. Either a word or a phrase. If I mention somebody, I you know just kind of describe the person that I'm talking about. When it comes to announcers, you've worked with some of the best. You worked with with John Stanley. You worked with Shane. You worked with Rick Ashelman. You worked with 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 everybody up at Plattsburgh and whatnot. Talk to me about Dan Martin. I mean, I've had a good connection with him. Him and I have been friends for years. He he interviewed me during my, you know, when I got my first my first win at Lebanon Valley. What does Dan mean to you? Dan is like a brother to me. No question about it. You know, he he has
0: been there every step of the way with me through this. My announcing career. You know, whether it's on the team at Lebanon, you know, the team at Malta, you know. And he, first off, he's one of the nicest guys he'll ever meet. And anybody sure. that's met him, sure. I think, without question, knows that. That's not. There's no debate to that. But, you know, he, you know, we get through to the night, and he makes things a lot easier when things aren't going the best. Because he's obviously, for as long as he's done it, he's seen situations I haven't yet. But one thing he's always told me is just be ready to change at a moment's notice, because that's your job. And that's the best advice he's ever given me, and I run with that. But if you knew how much fun we also have behind the scenes, it's... Good too. You know, i was glad I talked to him the other day. See how he was doing. You know, obviously he's affected by this just as much as we are. You know, getting things going It's what we've done our whole lives. Right. You know, I keep going back to that, but it's the truth.
1: Yep. Second one's kind of a it's a last name, um, word association more than a and a full name. Talk to me about the Corellis family. You guys have like you talked about earlier. You had a connection with you know with your with your grandfather and. And Tommy, you personally have had a connection with with with, with Donnie. Talk to me about about the Corellises, and then if you want to break off and you want to talk about Tommy and Donnie, go right ahead. But what does the Corellis family mean?
0: You know, they they mean a lot to my family in general, because unfortunately I was on the tail end of really my grandparents' involvement. You know, my grandfather's involvement with with the Corellises, and same with. You know, Apple at that point was with the massive team. When I really first started to remember all these things, you know, ninety five, ninety six area. Right. But you know, so I didn't get to, uh, all the stories I've heard about Tommy just generally. You know, there are <laughs> some things my my mom has told me many times. You would have loved it in the eighties, which I'm I'm sure you probably could tell me the same thing. Yeah, and, yeah. Because I'd be right in the thick of things all the time. But you know, Donnie, there's there's, you know. I watched Donnie for a number of years. He's always been a good family friend. He actually won the first modified feature the night I started announcing. That was my first modified interview, so that made <laughs> things a lot easier for me because it's you know it's somebody you know. Yep. No question about it. Of course, I knew most of the modified at that point anyway. But, right. You know. You know. I, I mean, it's still it's it's still weird. You know, not seeing a 57 going around other in the valley. It, it it and it never probably it probably for me probably won't ever stop being. It'll be the same thing. Like there, there will be a day when Kenny Fremont's not going around Lebanon. Lebanon. That's going to be weird for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think there's a lot of people that are probably weird. The fact that they don't see a 20 on the racetrack, you know, a Brett Hearn car at Lebanon Valley. So you're
0: still going to see a Mattson car there this year, which is another thing I'm very excited
1: about seeing, is market back in a race car. Yep. One of the people that you talked about you have a connection with, especially through your hockey, and it kind of ranched over to racing. Talk about Robbie Knowles. Talk about the connection you have with him
0: you know he, he's turned into one of my best friends over the past few years especially you know coming back to plattsburgh you know it's different being in college when you know everybody it's different when you come back and it's you know he's one of the few friends you really have in the area to start back off you know he helped me get into you know airborne when john walker was the promoter a couple of years ago and it just took off, and I thank him for that because you know I was sitting on the sidelines on Saturday nights. I was sitting on the sidelines, period, for one year, and then you know I got once to schedule allowed, I was back in Malta, but then you know he helped me get Saturday nights as well. And you know with you know it's good to be had that deal, and I'm glad he has been by my side for every step of the way to do that. And you know he's helped me out with you know hockey games too, even though I've been living in a different state now. They're not that far from Plattsburgh; it's just you know that ferry ride gets in play, which is not the most fun thing in America to- every day but you know he he's been there with me every step of the way the last five years you know and I I was glad last year in his first in his year promoting that you know I could be there to help him however I could
1: the last one is is kind of a two-part as well um anybody that's ever seen anything with race Pro weekly especially our video crew knows that you me and fast Eddie at Biddy Ed jr have been a very close knit team, for I mean, for what seems like ages. When when you think of Ed, and me, you know, what does that you know kind of describe your your feelings about us? Well, first off, I can say the three of us have been through so much together racing in the <laughs> last ten
0: years. It's uh, There's really not words for it. And some of the practice that we've pulled on each other, too. <laughs> you know, that that's something we can't say on this podcast, let's put it that way. No. Uh, no.
1: And it's we, not over yet.
0: No, it's not. But, you know, one thing I think between the three of us, we always know our expectations of each other. And at the end of the day, we, we know we were working our best to put out our best product. And, you know, we, we've said this, you know, I know we've told a number of people that, but one of the reasons the show just can't do it anymore. It's just, we can't put the time in it that we want to. That's really what it comes down to. It's not so much that, you know, we don't want to do it. We love doing it every week. There was some stressful nights, don't get me wrong. But we loved it, but so if we're not going to do it the right way, why would we do it?
1: Right. I mean, I love the fact that I, to this day I still think of you and Ed as, as brothers. I mean, I'm, I'm an only child, but I think of you guys as the closest, probably some of the closest thing I've got to brothers, and, and that's why, like, even to this day, that's why it's hurt so badly that you left us high and dry at Superdirt Week and you don't oh, believe in you're us. You're going to let me live this down. No, no. We'll, we'll, I, ask Ed. We'll see if, maybe at some point we'll have well, Ed on the podcast. We'll see if he if he will let I, you live it down.
0: I will never forget the text Eddie sent me that night. Because I obviously, I, I called you first. Because <laughs> we were, you know, three weeks away from therapy at that point. So I figured that was probably a good idea. Yeah. And then I texted Ed and he goes, I hate you. <laughs> I'm proud of you. I'm glad you're doing this, but I hate you.
1: <laughs> well, hopefully we'll get to make fun of you up at Super Week this year. Hopefully everybody gets kind of racing. Okay, back to the question at hand. Last question now. Who's the first-time winner at Lebanon Valley you think is going to come up? You know, the more I think about it, I feel like almost
0: everybody in the field has won
1: except for Josh Marcus, I mean. I'm wrong. He's correct me. Well, I mean, you got like last year, the the night that L.J. pulled the slide for life move on, on John Rochelle. I mean, yep. I think everybody and their brother thought John Rochelle was going to get that win. I mean, he's he had a really good year last year. I mean, and
0: that's the guy I want to see pick up a win. You know, for years he's been one of those guys. You know, he just comes. You, you see him down with his family, and he, he just loves racing. He wants to get this done, and I think he has the capabilities of definitely doing it.
1: You know, there's one person that I figured you would have said yes, and I'm surprised you haven't. Oh, we're thinking about a 33 car that I forgot about. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't bring that up, seeing as how you become really good friends with with, with Mark. I'm surprised you didn't mention Mark Johnson in in Scott Hamlin's car.
0: It it could absolutely happen. It could happen happen as soon as opening night. You know, sometimes your mind just wanders a little bit. He's obviously a guy that could definitely get it done, no question about it. It just goes to show, you know, we talk about how tough Levin's field is. Levin's field is very tough as well. A lot a lot of niche guys that can get it done. I mean, you know, we mentioned the top guys. You know, you talk about Tremont, Marshall, you know, Bacetti, Britton, you know, but those guys can get it done. We talk about guys, you know, Kyle Sheldon, obviously can get it done. We've seen him do that. You know, Berger could reel off two or three on any given night.
1: Revisit this at some point, but I appreciate you taking the time. And this is this has been fun. Um, hopefully, next time I see you, we'll be at a racetrack and and we can we can get the dirt flying and and hopefully we can put all this stuff with the coronavirus behind us, man. I appreciate you taking the time.
0: No problem, sir. Thank you for having me on. You know, this is, this is a lot of fun. It gets us talking racing, which is that you know, positivity is the biggest thing right now. We all got to keep it going.
1: You got it. Thanks, man. No problem. Thank you. Mike Warren is someone that I could talk to for hours, and sometimes we have. He really knows this stuff, and I'm so thankful that he's been part of the RPW family for years. Now he's really going places, and I couldn't be prouder of that or anything that he's achieved. I can't thank him enough for being on this week's show. And remember, you can listen to anything from Race Pro Radio on Spotify, the iTunes Store, or even RaceProWeekly.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, everybody. This has been the slide job here on race pro radio.